All right, this is the third and final installment of the Brent Fortune Trilogy. We're live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cat and Cloud podcast. I'm Chris Baca, sitting here with everybody's teenage dream, Mr. Jared Truby. And across the table from us is Mr. Brent Fortune. Hello, Brent Fortune. Meow. Hello. Is it too weird to talk about that now? I don't know. Brent would have Mm -hmm. better. Brent's the international person. We're the people who always wreck shop. Yeah. He's let's, a political guy. Sometimes as a gears. judge, you try to you try to stay out of it, especially coming from you know not living in that country. But you couldn't help but overhear you know some of the the scuttlebutt. Scuttlebutt. Yeah. Is that I mean, a ska band in the nineties? <laughs> I mean, you could like without going too deep. I mean, essentially, they wanted you to use a certain kind of coffee. Which oh yeah. wasn't necessarily yeah, the best. There's coffee. A, yeah, we, there was a barista champion who was using a coffee that his bosses didn't know mm. he was using because he knew that he. Uh, he couldn't do well or even win if he if he would have used that coffee in his competition. So he went he to do? great lengths um, to sort of you know use a coffee that had been selected and ro- that he had selected and had been roasted by somebody else. And mm-hmm. meanwhile, his bosses thought he was using their coffee, and like that's that you know that was really brave of of that person to do that. Um, and and. Ends up, you know, turns out to be a really good story, and he ends up, you know, getting sort of fired for that reason after the fact. But <laughs> probably has no regrets about doing that because he he knew better than they did what was going to work and what wasn't going to work. I mean, sometimes you have to do what's right and what's best, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, and yeah. uh, I'm sure we've all crossed many bridges when it came down to doing that. I mean, mm-hmm. okay, so you know, we're here. We are right. Like, do you still own Crema? Where are you at now? Let's talk a little bit more. You're in L.A., right? Like. I'm in LA. I don't own Crema. I ended up um, selling that business to uh, my my very wonderful manager who had been working for me for several years. Super and, cool. And over time, took on more and more of the operations of that business mm-hmm. so that I could sort of travel and do other stuff. And also the once the what was interesting to me about about that place was getting it up and running and figuring it out and mm-hmm. figuring out the systems and how to make the the numbers make sense and and hiring the right people and creating a space and once it was sort of going then i you know it wasn't as interesting the day-to-day stuff wasn't as interesting to me mm-hmm. so he was much more into the the day-to-day operation stuff and i knew that ultimately he wanted to open his own place and um you know we had a conversation one day about hey what do you want to be doing you know two three four years from now and, right um I knew I was I was ready to do something new, and so yeah, so he bought it from me, and and the the best thing about that was, I knew that it was in good hands because the staff wasn't changing, the product wasn't changing, the name wasn't changing, and it and for the customers and even the employees, you know the the from the day I owned it to the day he owned it, not much was different. There was a, a change of ownership, but the the business remained intact and was still serving the neighborhood and the community. Yeah, and it it all happened very seamlessly behind the scenes. That's really cool. So you passed it on, passed it on, moved down to California. I did some other things before. Okay, moving down to California, um, this little project called uh, Coffee Common. Oh, that's right. Oh um, yeah. yeah, talk a little bit yeah. about that. Still, that was hot it's still for like it was hot. Still, still, still a thing that people ask about, and I'm like, why don't you bring that back? And it's like, ah, oh. girl, because I'm busy. Yeah, because <laughs> it was such a, it was such a collaboration of people and and things and timing, 
And so Coffee Common was built around, um, I got this call one day from Stephen Morrissey at Intelligentsia, and he was like, hey, do you want to help us make coffee at the, the TED conference? Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? Uh, let me check my calendar. Yes. <laughs> uh, and they had, um, Intelligentsia had, had done that conference the year prior, maybe two years prior, and it wasn't something they could continue to support because it was a, a logistically really complicated mm-hmm. uh, event. Yeah. Uh, b- basically building and running five coffee bars inside this conference center that had no water and no power supply, and everything had to be built from the ground up and brought in. And then you had to serve these crazy, smart, eclectic people from around the world, and they would come at you thousands at a time in like 15 minutes, and you had to be ready to make them coffee, 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 cappuccino, cappuccino, espresso, espresso. And then they would all go back into the the session, and you would have these crazy amounts of downtime where there were a few people trickling through, but for the most part, it was like managing five, six crazy rushes a day in a 12-hour day and repeating that sort of over four and a half, five days. Dude, yeah, you're pulling me into this like memory lane thing that I totally have kind of not thought about in a long time. Yeah. But so, okay, what year was that when you first did that? That was like 2010 maybe? Something like that. So let's rewind a couple more years back because yeah. we all did something huge that yeah. we haven't talked about in a long time. Uh, Slow Food Nation. Uh, and, and oh my gosh, uh, the best thing ever! Yeah, I mean, like, dude, killer. I forgot. All, I like don't remember this thing, but that really maybe, yeah. arguably, was one of the best coffee events of all time mm. in the history of the world. A lot of at the right? time, it was on the freaking maybe next still. next level. A lot of what we did at Coffee Common came out of. What we did at Silver Nation. I mean, that was huge for me personally because Verve had just opened, right? I mean, we're talking what two thousand. This is before Chris worked, Baca worked at Verve. So I was I mean, at Ritual still. This is still yeah. two thousand seven, right? Maybe or like the very beginning of two. No, it was no, no, no two thousand eight because you. It had was late at eight or something. Was like it post that? your win or, bef- or before you won? <laughs> right around the same time. Oh, it was a big I, year for you. I remember. Man, who set that was up a the big bar. Year. Terry Z set up the bar. It was a you know, there was a there was an architect firm that built the that helped us design the space, and so Slow Food Nation was yeah, this a, event Slow Food in San Francisco that we 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 all thought it was the first of a, an annual event, and it ended up only happening once. Too bad, and I'm still not clear as to why because it was it was so incredible. It was a success, and and it was um it was built around the slow food movement, which is about you know stopping and like uh uh. Food transparency, knowing where your food's coming from and who the who the um, who's providing the raw materials and mm-hmm. and where it's being made and how it's being made a little bit, and so there were it was in this beautiful um, kind of warehouse space on one of the piers, mm-hmm. San Francisco, sticking out into the San Francisco Bay, and it was this ticketed event that people paid you know fifty sixty bucks for, and once you were inside, you had unlimited access to these pavilions that each one was offering different tastes mm-hmm. of um, f- food and and there was a spirits pavilion there was a, a bread pavilion there was a like a meat it was insane cheese, cheese and honey and, and, honey all kinds and of stuff. like jam and yep. charcuterie and like there was all kinds of incredible food purveyors and it was a highly collaborative event so it was not 
um, there were no single roaster and no single mm-hmm. company that was behind it. So in the coffee coffee pavilion, we set up um, basically an experience where people could. We had something like four or five um, state of the art espresso machines lined Dude, up. On it was like seven. Really beautiful bar. It was so many. And then we had GB five. It was like a sea of GB fives. Mm-hmm. And then we had uh, and then we had some um, pour over coffee that I don't even remember how we were how we were brewing it. But you could either go down the down the line and taste a bunch of espressos, or you could go through the back and do a like tasting of. Uh, several different coffees from different origins mm-hmm. all brewed the same way. Oh, you would loop behind the bar, yeah. huh? Yeah, yeah. 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 Twelve levels. And we had, and we, oh, and shit. we, we pulled in the best baristas, roasters, coffee people we could find. And I think the the roasters had to like submit a sample of their mm-hmm. coffee in order, and then we did like a blind tasting to decide which roasters were gonna um, participate in the thing. And they had to, you know, they had to be able to donate like. It was a lot of coffee. A few hundred pounds mm-hmm. of coffee. We to brought the Alita. Thing. That and was one for Lamassis yeah, for us. Yeah. 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 And the roasters, you if you were working there as a barista, you weren't necessarily making your own coffee and none of the mm-hmm. coffee was branded as per the roaster. Nope. It was all yeah. about what the coffee was. And right. the farmer, yeah. There was and the no farmer. talk about the roaster no. who roasted this. Yep. It was never about the roaster. You don't even mention him. And I remember like you you, Jared, were pulling something from Echo. Uh huh. And then I was on a station with Jenny Bryant. Yeah. Oh yeah. From New York. And I was like, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. It was, that was insane. I met Nick Griffith, who's working with the, doing that elixir coffee thing. Now he was with me, man. That was, that was just such an inspirational, big breakout coffee. It was such a collaborative. The best thing about that was that it was, it took us outside of all other events we had done. And we were around, all these foodies mm-hmm. and we were we were talking to people consumers that had paid money to come to this event because they wanted to learn about where their food bread beer coffee tea was coming from yep. and they wanted to learn something and so it was like a barista's wet dream because no they were we were also excited to be talking to the general public consumers who actually were super interested in the story behind all these coffees. And also working with the best of the best for the first time, maybe ever. Yeah. You know, like I got to stand beside all these amazing baristas and watch them work. Like Jared Linsamer, he was there, who's now owner of Ruby. And I just remember like uh, the other Jared and he and I were getting dubbed as like some of the fastest, like serving the most people. And I was like, yeah, I'm fast. This is this other Jared guy. Yeah. And it was like a thing. I was just so And inspired. I remember afterwards we... We somebody was like crunching the numbers and trying to just to figure out how many people we had served during the course of the event, and it was some crazy like thousands and thousands of people. I think had come through that pavilion over the course of three two and days, half days, three days or yeah. something. Two yeah, I made so many friends. Slow food was just amazing. <laughs> Slow food was tits. So so coffee common sort of was a, a little bit of a spinoff of us. It it was again a collaboration that that brought together people who worked for different in different aspects of the industry and we pulled coffee from different roasters that were geographically diverse and we my, one of my jobs was to put together a team of baristas and again it was like all volunteer the cool thing was uh, between the between the uh, the small amount of money we were able to raise and Ted we were able to 
house and feed the baristas for the the course of the TED conference. They just had to get themselves to Long Beach, California, basically. And um, it was amazing. There was almost no one that I had asked to come that said no because and people flew themselves there from from Europe and from Australia because they wanted to participate in this thing because a the TED the TED conference had you know has a has a great um, sort of brand around it and and clout and again it was a little like the slow food nation in that the idea behind TED is you come there to learn and it's all about um, expanding your mind and uh, we were serving all these people who were so curious and so interested and some of the conversations we had at TED were again like a thing the experiences that baristas dream about and you're serving coffee to like Al Gore or um, <laughs> seriously you know all, all these people that are either there the 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 co-founders of Google and like um, uh, you know as well as you know uh, like Matt Groening and people that um, were at this conference that it that have come from all over the world to either speak or hear what was happening in great minds and they were so into coffee and it was such a um, there's such a social aspect to Ted that the coffee became uh, a place where our, our coffee bars became a place where people would meet and mm. come to to recharge in between sessions and chat and hang out and like the, some of the interaction there were, there were no menus and there were no sort of it was a super simple um, menu of drinks mm -hmm. and each time at the end of each session we would change out the coffee and all the bars were serving the same coffee at the same time and it was super fun to um, talk to have a little conversation around those coffees and and tell the story of where this coffee came from right and again not much talk about the the roaster who roasted it it was about the coffee and the producer and and what makes this coffee interesting or different it's crazy how coffee even in a place like that becomes the third place sort of situation like, yeah it just it naturally becomes that like let's go talk around coffee yeah and like sure it was probably more than that to people too but at the same time it's super important also that it just was the place to be like yeah. um so here's the thing patrick melroy who is not necessarily a coffee nerd do you have any questions you've maybe thought of while sitting here listening to us coffee nerds talk that maybe some of the general populace would have from listening Oh, that's really nice. Um, mm -hmm. I was I was actually just as you, as you were formulating that question out loud, and now you hear me stalling for time. I was thinking to myself, what what are the the across the country? Let's just look, like isolate just to to the United States. Where just name off a couple coffee shops that are in places where because I find myself all the time in a in an odd place like Santa Fe or Albuquerque and being like, God, there's got to be real coffee here. Yeah. Where should I go to find it? So what are those like places that shouldn't like Richfield, Washington, Lava Java is so unexpected. It's a town of just under 5000 people yeah. in, you know, in the shadow of Mount St. Helens. Like there's what's the chance that you would have like really great coffee there? Yeah, it's so odd. So where else? How do you how do you find those spots? That's a good thing. What are the what yeah. are the hints? That Twit, uh, Twitter is a good tool for that. And um, uh, Instagram there, you know, there are some accounts that are like best coffee, best coffee bars. Um, it's, it's tricky. And like, I, you know, that's one of my favorite things about traveling, not just the U S but around the world is that there's been such a change. There used to be all these places you would go and you'd be like, there is zero, there's nothing. There's just, a, this is just a black hole mm -hmm. of coffee. And now 
all these places have, have popped up in like places you would never expect to find really good coffee. And there's been such a shift. Yeah. And um, people, I used to get that question a lot. Like, oh, my buddy's going to Austin, Texas. Like, where should they go for coffee? And uh, it's 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 cool to, to start to keep track of those places. Um, but there's still there's still plenty of cities like some of the ones you rattle off that uh, still I couldn't tell you a place to go because there's nothing on the map yet yet. Yeah, Chris has something over here. He's boiling. I I'm like busting <laughs> up right now. I I was thinking of well because we were talking about you grew up in Ridgefield. Yeah, and Lava Java, and I was kind of remembering I went to Lava Java one time and I, this is pretty rad story about it. I was in Portland at Stumptown. Doing a cupping, I didn't know what the hell was going on. It was like I was just kind of starting to work at Ritual at that point, I think. And we're doing this cupping, and Ryan Wilbur's there, and I didn't know him at all, like zero much. And we just kind of started talking, and we're rapping, and he's like, oh, "I'm going to Richfield in like, in like a couple hours. You want to go?" And I'm like, "Okay, guy. I don't know who you are, but like, let's let's do this thing." And he picks me up, and I, I feel like it was like a green, like '97 Civic. I don't know. Of course, it is something. So we're like rolling to Ridgefield, and we're like, listening to this music. It's pretty good. It's kind of like indie emo stuff, and like we're just rocking it for you know 15 minutes. Elliot Smith, yeah. And no, no this <laughs> just is where wait, this, this is, is where it gets awesome. And I was like, I was like, man, what is this? And he's like, oh, this is my band. <laughs> 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 I'm like, oh shit, we're listening to your band? This guy's badass. Self-promoted. Self-promoted. So I'm like, all right, cool, Wilbur. I can get behind this guy, Wilbur. So we roll into Lava Java. Fung's there yeah. making coffee. And I'm just like, she's like United States barista champion. Yeah. You know, in my mind, she's like a total badass. Yeah. Like she's in the magazines and I'm like, nobody. Magazines. So we roll in, get coffee. I have a macchiato. I think Ryan gets the same thing. And we're like drinking them and ryan just like looks at me and he's just like i don't know man fung's just kind of falling off her game lately. <laughs> <laughs> lava java and i was like this guy's awesome <laughs> La- this guy? lava java in ridgefield is next it's in it's in the newest piece of development off at the junction Ooh. on i-5 yeah where where the road that heads into town into my hometown meets I-5, yeah. the freeway. And so I grew up, you know, going, this is where the gas stations are. Exit 14. Exit 14. <laughs> oh, lucky number. this is big. And, and there's a Papa Pete's pizza place right yeah. there. Tiny pepperoni, very good. Good arcade, great, great pinball. I'll go check it out. And, <laughs> great then, and then across the parking lot is like an RV po- park yeah. where you like park your trailers. And it's like, and literally you can stand outside and look at Mount St. Helens yeah. in the distance. And that's where we were, we were just up the road when, when it blew up, when the top came off Mount oh. St. Helens. You were. Yeah. Dang. I have a great photo of me and my brother standing in front of Mount St. Helens mushroom cloud. Wow. It Holy looks like a, like a nuclear bomb is going off that's behind epic. us. Oh. And we look so irritated and bored <laughs> 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 that my mom is making us take pictures in front of this cloud. And then uh, a few hours later, it blotted out the sun. And it was oh. darkness, and the ash rained down on top of us. I would be having a panic attack. <laughs> I was five. I, mean, I was. <laughs> I'd be like, <laughs> I was bored. Really, it was looking to watch my Ninja Turtles. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's amazing. So uh, what's next for Brent Fortune? Well, wait, wait. I mean, okay. oh wait, are we <laughs> yeah. are we not in there yet? No, no, no. It's not that. I mean, it's just like you you left uh, you left Crema, you left Portland, you did Coffee Common, then you just like I'm going to California, and you being in coffee, right? You had, in my opinion, two choices. I go to San Francisco, yeah, where everybody's like there's coffee, or I go to L.A. where you know, arguably, maybe now there's more coffee, and it's yeah. like does. In your opinion, coming from someplace that's not California, right? Does California have two Portlands, or what's the difference between San Francisco and LA in your mind? Uh, you know, when I when I was living in Portland, San Francisco was the place I would go to be in California to mm-hmm. get my like big city vibes, and um, it was really cool to watch the coffee scene in the Bay Area develop, and all that's where. You know, I feel like it was Seattle for a while, and mm-hmm. then it was Portland, and then it just kept migrating down the West Coast, and then it was San Francisco um, for years. You know, in the in the days of Ritual and Four Barrel and Sight Glass and even Blue Bottle and um, some of the smaller companies um, that popped up there, mm-hmm. and um, and then at some point, some really cool stuff started to happen in L.A. and Intelligentsia was kind of the first of third wave roaster <laughs> to third word. to come into LA and and start to make a change and create create a buzz mm-hmm. and um it's come a long way since then yeah yeah i mean there's a lot of great yeah companies down there it's so i was just thinking about that i mean like you're down there you got into i moved back to LA mostly because that that was home to me. Yeah, yeah. And and I had, you know, I went to co- I went to college there. Um, it was familiar. I knew my way around. Disneyland. I had a bunch of friends there, and I at Disneyland. And I kept going down there, like for my birthday or for, um, you know, vacation, just to 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 get away, especially in the winter months, to mm-hmm. get away from the sort of gloom and rain of Portland. And I started to feel like ah, I should, you know, I always sort of. Knew when I went to Portland, I would come back to mm-hmm. Southern California. Um, I just didn't know when, and then one day it was just like, "Oh, it's time." Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember we it's were talking go about back. that, and you were like, "I think I, I think I'm leaving. Yeah. I think I'm gonna get out of Portland." Yeah. And I was like, "Whoa, yeah. this is big." Because <laughs> I mean, Kremlin's it's, a big. It's staple. scary, yeah. but I was so um, resolved in that was the right move for me, and that was a little over a year ago. Okay. Yeah. So what's your biggest pet peeve in coffee? That's a, you know, that's a... Um, on the mic. I, on the I, mic. I, you know, I, th- I think we share a lot of uh, pet peeves at this table. But um, one of them is when you try to, as a, as a customer, and they, you know, they're, they're serving you a coffee and they don't, you know, they don't know who you are. You're just Joe customer and you start asking them questions and they don't know what they're serving. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh come on like you know what what am i drinking and they're like i'm not sure and it's just like oh man <laughs> i can't i can't get behind that it's so hard like yep. how how do you put a coffee on the bar and you don't even know what it is is that beef or chicken uh, it's meat <laughs> <laughs> it's what's for dinner it's hot black water <laughs> yeah. just drink it yeah what the hell are you asking me this for i really yeah. don't know who are you or um this has been talked about at length, but uh, when when baristas serve you something and they apologize, oh, for it, oh gosh, it's just like number one, oh, you know, I, I uh, maybe I should pull that again because I think I can do better, or um, 
oh, I wish you had been here earlier. This coffee was tasting really good this morning. Uh, that's old or, school. That uh, is old school. Uh, yeah, those days. Or, uh, you know, any sort of apology or, or saying anything that indicates like they didn't do as good of a job or something about the coffee is not as good as it, as it could be. Man, oh man. Okay, so what's your opinion? What's the next hot thing in coffee besides I, Chris and I? I think that uh, um, I think there are a couple things that I was sort of hoping would happen in North America that are that are starting to really take a stronghold. One of them is the combination of food and coffee uh-huh. in, the, in the same spaces, and yes. and food not just being a bunch of muffins and scones and croissants, but actual food like. Uh, a salad or some eggs or some breakfast or some more more than just some toast but like a real um you know an actual sort of breakfast or lunch meal that you can get at a place at the same place you go to get a really amazing coffee mm-hmm. and that that's been a thing in in Australia and in Europe for a long 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 time and I always would come back from those places and wonder why there were so few spots in the in the US where you could get really amazing food and coffee. Well, why do you think that is? Because I have my theories, and I just talked to some of the Five Senses guys about the same I thing. I think that the there there's been this misconception in in North American coffee that you, as soon as you start to do food, it takes away from your ability to be super focused on the quality of the coffee, and you and and then the you know if your baristas are are also making egg sandwiches, then it's like ah, oh, they're not really baristas anymore. Mm-hmm. And it somehow downgrades their their job or their position. And that's just silly. Yep. yep. I 100% agree with you. There's like a big stigma, I feel like, to be like, the you know, the less stuff you have, the better it must make your yeah. coffee. Purist. Yeah. 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 Which obviously doesn't have anything to do with anything. No. You can make an awesome egg sandwich and make an awesome espresso. And make a nice egg espresso on your steam wand. Mm. <laughs> Vortex. Eggs on eggs. Julia Mayer. The other thing I've been um, enjoying seeing is the, the shared spaces thing where there's a coffee bar that's sharing a space with some other business. And um, um, there there's a couple of versions of this. One is sort of like the ferry building in, in San Francisco mm-hmm. that's been replicated in a couple of the cities and Grand Central Market in Los Angeles yep. has become, you know, the they they sort of look to the ferry building and places like that to try to create a space where you can get a really good coffee and you can get a bunch of other really amazing food purveyors all under one roof. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and then there's the version where there's like a bike shop that also has a really good coffee bar in it or the place where we went right before we did this podcast where there's a this really cool little clothing shop that mm-hmm. also has a coffee bar serving Stumptown. The Whistle Club. And it's like, oh, that's so great like, because you're you're uh, sharing a space. The, the economics of that become interesting. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a... That's a again. It's a thing I've seen, you know, seen in the UK. And like Willem was doing that in in uh, in London years ago. And there there weren't many places in North America doing that, but it seems to be becoming more and more popular. It's almost like utilizing something that more people understand as a catalyst to get them to start trying better coffee. Yeah, and or like ritual. Right. In the, it, ritual started actually a long time ago in the the spot in the Flora Grub Gardens. Flora Grub Gardens. Yep. Where they were in this really amazing outdoor. Mm-hmm. Garden store. Man, working it's at the gardens place. was a trip. 
I used to come visit you there. That place was fun. So chill. Yeah, it so was chill. super mellow. It's like serene, plants everywhere. Everyone's nice. And then you walk outside and people are just getting shot. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's serious, dude. I got accosted by a hooker <laughs> trying to open. She had no, a, I will not pay you. She had a candy wrapper stuck to her stuff. Ew. <laughs> what? With no pants on. This is a real story. Is that her gimmick? I don't know. She, <laughs> she was on meth. Gum chewing. <laughs> Weird. Makes the breast smell good. Gross. Anyway, <laughs> so that happened. <laughs> that ever happened to you, Brent? Uh, <laughs> you ever done that? No candy wrappers. All right, take your hands off your kids' ears now. Yeah, Let's everybody's back. <laughs> back. That wasn't censored, but I'm nothing mad. is with Chris and Jer. I miss ritual in that aspect. Just the city? There's so much weird stuff that happened. There was some. That was the place, man. That I was would, the spot. I would come down there from Portland just to be in that energy in that space. And like, oh, yeah. You were there. Ryan Brown was there. Drew Catlin was there. It's a, it's another one of those businesses like Stumptown or Zoka, mm-hmm. and you can trace so many people that are now spread out in coffee intelligentsia that that came through the ranks of that business. Yeah, Gabe was there. Gabe and then at the, And at the same time, it was still Eileen and Jeremy. Yeah. Jeremy, who now owns Four Barrel, both yeah. owned it together. Yeah. It was like a yeah. pretty hot spot. That's yeah. where I met you. I think you knew Ryan. And yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. I had a clover for my first time. Yeah, yeah. you did uh, at Ritual. Oh, we used to special. we used to rock the clover on a heavy oh, that level. That had to be like 2007. I was oh, cruising yeah. through there, and somebody's like, "Would you like to try a clover?" And I'm just like, "What's that?" And they're just like, "Watch, it's a show." It Check might be it this out. guy. It was probably Stanford. Ryan Brown. Ryan, yeah. part of Ryan's job was like dialing the clover, just <laughs> get those recipes going. And I was like, "What the fuck is this shit?" This guy's dialing in the clover, and it was awesome. I really loved it. I wish it we was could use super it. cool. Yeah. Really. I I was not. I, well, maybe they weren't nailing it then. They, I probably got them on an off morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah an right. off dial. With in. with the level of specificity that that kid executed that coffee, I'm sure he probably just accidentally hit it wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he brewed you like a eight ounce cycle for a twelve ounce. Cup Listen, or something. all I know is that like it came out and I went, ah, oh, it's coffee. He didn't whisk that it. Happened. He didn't whisk didn't it enough. Whisk it. Sometimes no. you need to whisk it more. I it think. loses a lot of heat, or maybe the mesh screen was dirty. <sighs> Damn it, you know? I mean, it was I only went, paper. I went and got an espresso afterwards. As so James Hoffman actually. says, he can tell if your machine is dirty. Oh, mm. shout out Paul Helverson as well. He loves to quote that line. <laughs> you're running you're running about an hour 13 right now. Are we really? This is going to be two episodes. That'll be a deuce deuce. It's going to be a train three. Because yeah. Brent is like the deepest person in the company oh, ever. Stop. I mean, Brent, it's, it is, has been really cool having what? you on here. Well, I want to know what's next. I I mean, wa- yeah, what's next you've for Brent I want to know what's next. Yeah, you've done more than anybody that i know of in coffee as far as wearing different hats no i mean seriously but usbc judge wbc judge you've been a cafe owner you've been a trainer coffee common the ted stuff and you've been kind of like this disneyland you've been the unofficial (laughs) unofficial mentor to a lot of people who came up around the same area i I remember drew and i would come up and like we would stay at your house you guys stayed at my house i still i was thinking about that on the way up here you guys were staying at my house after Minneapolis, yeah, because you had to drive from Minneapolis back to San Francisco mm-hmm. with like all your all your competition gear. I was supposed to be on that trip. And you guys I like, know. and you guys stayed in Portland, and then we and then we met up at Verve shortly after that for, the, yeah, camping. for the camping and we trip. Were camping. Oh my yeah. gosh, we should talk. And about we that were in the bit. sauna together. <laughs> we did a <laughs> lot of stuff. It was, it was a lot of drinking. We roasted coffee on a, in a pan. Some we roasted coffee in a pan, and that was like that was really cool i mean i remember the way you hosted us i remember getting to your house and mm. there were 
This sounds weird and corny, but there were yeah. just like tea light candles everywhere. The oh, whole no, house, he was ready. The whole house was lit up, and there was just like snacks and cool little blankets and ultimate things. host. And then a cat, yeah, ultimate ultimate host. Your cats were awesome. They <laughs> always are. They always are, and it was just cat like facts. to me. I mean, now I feel like you know I've known you for a long time, but at the time I was like, dude, this like really means a lot to me. This is like a huge thing. This guy's yep. taking time out of his like busy day. He's an important dude. And he's hosting just like Drew and I, who are just random kids. No, and- it was it was fun to have you guys because I knew I knew what I knew what a stressful experience competition was, and it was like so important to decompress after after that experience and that intensity. Yeah, and like to go someplace where you could just chill and and not be judged and not you know no one's gonna no one's gonna push coffee on you if you don't want it and just like decompress literally after weeks and weeks and weeks of doing nothing but working and and practicing for competition nonstop, and and basically like sacrificing your social life and your sleeping habits and your eating habits just because you're so focused on trying to do the best you can and and represent your company and your roaster and and ultimately do well in that competition Mm -hmm. dude off the off the subject of competition but same on you mentoring do you remember when Colby and Ryan, Colby Barr and Ryan O'Donovan, now owners, owners of, Verve, of Verve, yeah. yeah. But before that, us three, yeah, and maybe Sean White also took a trip up to Portland, yeah, talking about opening Verve, yeah. And you <laughs> either took us to sushi or we all went to sushi in some place upstairs in a red room yeah, and yeah, talked yeah. about all yeah. of our plans and dreams yeah. and things. And yeah. you were like essentially mentoring us. I remember that into how to do this thing, or we were just like you know. Just brain dumping on you. And before you were gonna, before you were gonna call it Verve, <laughs> we were gonna call it Mono. mono. <laughs> I was like, you cannot call your coffee bar Mono. Mono. We're like, I don't see why not. Mono. Michela Mono. Mon- <laughs> I, have a, I have some Mono stickers still to this day. <laughs> we have some Mono tucked away. It's, it's got like the hey, want to go get Mono all day? Anybody want some Mono? Protect your spleen, but it tastes so good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but I mean, that's the stuff. Like, besides hosting us, which you would do, and you'd have us to your house, and we'd eat all the good cheeses and things that because, were just next like, level. Because when I started out in coffee, it was, it was, I didn't have people that were sort of mentoring me, and I kind of had to like figure it out on yeah. my own. And so it was like, ah, oh, I want to, you know, I get so much back from helping people. I still do that to this day. Like, people will call me and be like, hey, I want to, I'm thinking about, leaving my job and going to start up this roastery or company like what do you think and will you help me with my business plan and will you like right do you have any you know financials you can share with me do you have any will you look at my stuff and it was like i always say yes because it's super fun helping other people on on that journey and like figure out how to how to do what they want to do right. and not make you know the dumb mistakes that you can easily make if you are trying to reinvent the wheel without asking mm. for input or advice from someone right. who maybe has some experience. Because I mean, I mean, my opinion on the overall industry right now, and I'm, uh, if you've read our blog on truebaca.com, like I think you're seeing Chris and I push a lot against this, and I think it's probably why we respect and look up to you so much. Is it's like, I feel like there's a lost, a majorly lost piece of of opportunity for our industry. Everybody's like trying to hoard the information and hoard the business plan. And even beyond just like straight up secrets, it's almost like, I don't want to tell you how to be Mm. successful. Screw you. I'm going to be successful and I'm going to be successful with all my people, whoever wants to follow me. 
and you have to be with me or else you can't be successful yeah. is almost the vibe in general in the industry. I feel that too. What's up with that? Like, I mean, there's no, <laughs> this is just a rant at this point, but it's like that stuff is important. Like caring about people is important, not just about you and your dollars. It doesn't make sense in the world to do that. And anyway, I appreciate rocket it. Science. I mean, it isn't Which, rocket science. Yeah. It's not it's, rocket. Oh, sorry. I'm jumping in on you. <laughs> no. I was just going to say, like, um, it's not rocket science. And what are you really giving up? You yeah. know? Right. I've been reading 37 Signals or Rework by 37 Signals. The guys that started Basecamp. Anyway, it's a pretty good read. And one of the analogies they use is just like chefs. Like, right. the best chefs publish cookbooks with all their recipes yeah. and everything <laughs> because. That's not the secret to success. You right. know what I mean? If I give you a roast profile or extraction profiles, that doesn't mean anything. It's if your business is built off of stuff that's that shallow mm -hmm. and you're that incompetent to where that's all you have, it do it doesn't matter. Right. Oh, I mean, same thing. Like, and this is a shout out. Like Doug Zell, the owner of and their co CEO, or I don't know what it is now. There's been there's been shifts in all sorts of ways, but he's he's the guy. He made Intelligentsia. Doug Zell. He once told me, "Is all I can tell you, word for word, how I did it, and it doesn't mean you can do it. So I have nothing yeah. to worry about. Like that's, I'll tell you everything. That's so true. And it's the truth, right? So why not just help the people who care and try to make this whole industry better?" That's just my high horse. I don't even have anywhere to go. But anyways, I guess I'm just saying props. <laughs> and there's not enough of you. And uh, I mean, are there are there people that you know in our industry now who are that you would like to give shout outs to for that are doing that well, across the world? I think what I think what Matt Perger is doing in Australia mm -hmm. with his blog and his, um, you know, sharing as much information as he can and, right. and asking people for input and like, hey, what do you guys as an industry want to know more about? What can mm. we discuss next? And like he, you know, focusing on a lot of the the science of extraction and water and milk right. and the the specific details that it took us all together years and years and years to, to figure out all those things. Right. And he's, you know, putting it out there into the world and sharing the information with whoever wants to read it right and yeah. and trying to have a conversation around it and focusing on on different elements and and what you guys started doing too more more driven around sort of business philosophies and how to approach things mm -hmm. um it it's good to see that being put out there because like you said there's this like com competitive ego-driven energy that's been happening and it's good to see the the more collaborative information sharing still existing. Awesome. Yeah. And if you guys want to check out Matt, you guys, everybody probably knows this, but you can go to baristahustle.com yeah. mm -hmm. or com. I think barista hustle is his newer thing. Nobody does sweet techie writing better than Matt. Yeah, he does maybe, a good job. And maybe Ben Kaminsky. B Cam. B Cam. Well, Brent, we've we've taken a lot of your time. We uh, got, it's fun. It's it, super fun to hang out with you guys. Yeah, and it's been too long, and our lives have been crazy. But uh, let's let's do this more often. We got a few more things. Uh -oh. Yeah. Well, there is going to be a lightning round. <laughs> but instead of let's finish with a lightning round. What what's your advice to to the up and comers of the world? Um, and what's your advice even for Chris and I, if you want to go there? <laughs> what, give us some advice. You no, know, I think it's like when when I started out in coffee, it was like. Uh, taking best practices from companies that I admired or, you know, so I used to just spend a lot of time going to different cafes and just watching and watching how they did things and watching how they worked and watching who worked there and the interactions that, that 
um, baristas or or just employees had with customers and just sort of taking notes and trying to piece together how I wanted to create a business using the best practices that I had observed in other businesses. And then um, um, I think you can learn, you can learn a lot from, from reading, you know, the blogs that are out there and just going to, if you don't know anybody in the industry, it's super easy to meet people in this, in this industry, anywhere in the world. It's such a global business that, that touches, you know, producing countries to the countries where coffee's being made and served um, all around the planet. And it's really easy to reach out to people and people will share best practices and tips and information with you. And then just like try to create a product that is, that represents who you are as a, as a coffee professional and, and create something that is a, not just tastes good, but also provides an experience that people are going to be drawn to. Nice. I love <laughs> it. <laughs> I totally agree. I was very much distracted looking at the potential <laughs> lightning round because I'm just really gearing up for the lightning round, you know? You're in it. What's next? What's next is the lightning round. No, oh, I thought that was the first question of the lightning round. Mm. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Jeez. That wasn't a very yeah. lightning round. I, so, <laughs> I was so off. I was like, that's enough cat <laughs> facts. We're done. This is called the fog round. <laughs> Raptor facts number one. <laughs> Uh, all right, Brent. This has been great. Let's just go straight for some lightning round facts. Are you ready? Do it. Doing it. Who was your first coffee hero? Ooh, I think Tim Wendebo. Awesome. Oh. Tall guy. What is your favorite place to drink coffee in L.A.? Go get him, Tiger. Second. Dinosaur. Cool. Why? Why? Why dinosaur? Never been. Uh, it's a cool space. There's plenty. There's a lot of good light, and the coffee's good, and the Owners are super nice. Nice. Matterhorn or, or uh, Pirates? Matterhorn. Always. World of Color or Phantasmic? World of Color. Oh. Walt Disney or Roy Disney? <laughs> what about Herb? What? <laughs> Herb. <laughs> Walt. You guys remember Herb? <laughs> oh, good golly. Chris, hit him with some. We're in a new lightning round phase. <laughs> Pastry chef or <laughs> chef de cuisine? <laughs> Pastry chef. Favorite city in the world? Tokyo. Burpees or muscle ups? <laughs> what? Burpees. What's your favorite place to get coffee in New York? Ooh. Um, <sighs> Joe always does a good job, but the last time I was there, I had a really good coffee and experience at, at one of the Blue Bottle shops. Nice. Van Damme or Seagal? Van Damme. What Thanks. do you use to brew coffee at home? I use a V60. X-Men or Avengers? Neither of those. You know what movie blows both of those away is Mad Max. Oh. Practical effects versus CGI all the way. Okay. We're talking real car explosions or here. Or yeah. sub, answer D, Dick Tracy. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just Heather like Perry it. or Pete Licata? Heather Perry. Yeah. What kind of questions is that? I don't know. Sorry, Pete. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I love them both. <laughs> Heather was just like owning the competition for oh. so many years that we all were like, how do we get to that place? How do we do espresso she in the clouds? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Last one. Is Friends the best TV series ever? No. Oh, wrong answer. <laughs> well, 
What You're is? not even going to be on the air anymore. Rock. So thanks. Thirty for Rock. Oh, Thirty Rock. Tina Fey's brilliant. Yeah, Thirty Rock's good. Okay, well, Tra- Tracy Jordan show. Um, Jack Donaghy's my hero. Maybe. Last one. When are we going to Disneyland next? Ooh, soon as soon as our passes are no longer blocked out. Ooh, wrong answer. I got a deluxe. <laughs> I can go whenever I want. He said we. Oh, uh, well, you said R. <laughs> well, this is Chris Baca and Jared Truby in the Cat and Cloud podcast. We were talking to Brent Fortune. Thanks, guys, so much for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks a lot, Brent. Thanks Peace. for having me. Woo! Ow. All right. Thanks for tuning in to the Cat and Cloud podcast. Hit up our site, cat, C-A-T, and A-N-D, cloud, C-L-O-U-D, dot com for other great episodes.